Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In these short verses, John explains why the gospel was written, so that we may believe and have eternal life. I've often wondered how many of us living today, had we been living in the first century, would have been receptive to the preaching of those people like John the Baptist, the Apostle Peter, or even Paul. Most of us would probably say, well, of course we would have received them because we receive them now. But maybe that's because what they taught has become socially acceptable nowadays. And more often than not, their teaching is presented to us in a non-offensive manner today. But how was the truth originally presented? By what manner of men was that truth presented? And if we had been there, would we have believed? I hope in this podcast to challenge our thinking along those lines. Imagine then, if you will, you're back in the first century. Would we have believed men like John the Baptist? Some may call a hermit nowadays. He did his preaching in the wilderness, forcing people to come out to hear him rather than going to the people. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Now in those days... John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if we continue on to verse 4, Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. This preacher was out in the middle of nowhere, forcing people to come out to him rather than going into the air-conditioned luxury suites, if you will. And he dressed himself in camel's hair and a leather belt. And he was eating grasshoppers and honey for a meal? I'm not quite sure we would have been so receptive of hearing somebody like that today. We might deem that person somewhat of a lunatic today. And then there was the way he treated those who maybe were coming to him from other denominations. Continuing in Matthew chapter 3, let's pick up at verse 5. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, 
Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He called the religious people of the time a brood of vipers. I seriously doubt we would have believed someone like John the Baptist if we balk at having to travel distances to go study God's word today. As is sometimes the case today when people don't attend services because it's too far to travel. Or perhaps even if we tend to judge people by the clothes they wear, we may not have looked at John as somebody who was trying to put us on the path of righteousness. I get it, it's easy to be affected by the dress for success philosophy. But we need to remember God's perspective. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. 1 Samuel 16 and 7 James gave us a good lesson on this exact topic in James chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and say, You sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves, and become judges with evil motives? If we get upset or offended when a preacher points out our faults today, very doubtful we would have listened to John the Baptist. Some would have preachers never preach a negative sermon, but Jesus himself demonstrates that sometimes The occasion calls for a very strong message. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23, beginning with verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel round on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves." Jesus is given a very strong message to the religious leaders of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees, telling them, your behavior is not matching your words. What about this guy named Peter? I call him the hillbilly. He's a man whose country ways demonstrate his lack of formal religious training. Acts 4 and 13 Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. 
This guy who was teaching about Jesus actually denied Jesus three different occasions. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 through 75. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man, and immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter was a great disciple for Jesus, but there were times that he kind of messed up, such as this where he denied knowing Jesus, and also as Paul points out in Galatians chapter 2, in one occasion he almost split a church. But when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by the hypocrisy. Paul tells the church in Galatia about the time when he had to correct Peter for the way he was behaving. While there were no Jews in town, he was okay with eating and being around the Gentiles. But as soon as the Jewish people showed up, he suddenly withdrew from them, fearing what the Jews would say. And that was almost leading people away from the church. It's unlikely we would have believed this hillbilly if we expected a man to be formally educated before we would ever want him as a preacher. In some churches, a preacher is required to have a degree given by man to be considered acceptable on teaching God's ways. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the wrong kind of learning can be a dangerous thing as well. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save 
those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. If we aren't willing to give others another chance who fail us, especially more than once, we probably wouldn't have believed a man like Peter. If Peter had been treated like we sometimes treat fallen preachers today, would he have remained an apostle? Fortunately, the early church took to heart what Jesus taught Peter about forgiveness in Luke chapter 17, verses 3 to 4. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. And then we have this guy known as Paul. First started out as Saul, later became known as Paul. This guy had been a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church. And this isn't accusations made by other people. He himself tells us this is what it was in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Paul was also described as not being a very fluent speaker. Again, by himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. And what about a preacher that others would look at and say, well, his physical appearance is quite unimpressive. 2 Corinthians 10.10 For they say, quote, His letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Would we have believed such a man? I doubt we would have, if we hold a person's pre-Christian life against them. Such people must not believe in the power of the gospel to transform lives. But consider what the gospel message did for the people in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Paul is telling the members of this congregation, these are the kind of people that will not see the eternal kingdom of God. And some of you were them, but you're not anymore. We wouldn't have accepted a man like Paul if we don't care to hear preachers whose sermon presentation, let's say, lacks polish. I mean, many people will not go to hear preachers who may be young or inexperienced or who do not speak in such eloquent speech. Yet Paul tells the church in Rome, smooth words and flattering speech can oftentimes be used to deceive us. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. If we tend to judge people by the words they use or even by their physical appearance, we may not be so willing to accept the message presented by a man like Paul. Again, we need to remember God's perspective on things. The Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. What I'm suggesting is that how we receive people today is a strong indication as to whether we would have received men such as John, Peter, and Paul, and even Jesus. While we would like to think, we would have been very quick to listen and believe their message. Perhaps, if we had actually been living back then, we might have acted differently. I hope that we appreciate the importance of looking beyond the messenger, looking beyond how his message might be presented, and actually looking to the message itself. But there is another way to determine if we would have believed them back then. Have we believed them today? It may be speculation on our part to say we would have believed these men back in the first century. But one thing is sure, if we are unwilling to believe and obey them today, we certainly would not have done it back then. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.